We want to create entrepreneurs to overcome their fears, do shit they never thought they would be able to do, get into business, leave their job, and have a kick-ass life. And to not be so weighted down by, you know, all this, I don't know if I can, I'm not sure if I can do this, or I'm not sure if I can do that. Just do the stuff that you tell them to do. It works. Banger, baby! What is up, you sexy bastards? It is your boy, Pokeball, aka Rabbi Can't Lose, aka Noah Kagan. Today, we're joined by one of my favorite people on planet Earth, close friend and bald Jewish lookalike, Tall Roz. He is one of the world's most renowned business writers with doing three, not just one, but three New York Times bestselling books, Never Eat Alone, The CEO X Door, and Never Split the Difference. And also the upcoming book, Million Dollar Weekend. That's right. I was able to convince him through a cold email, lots of conjoling, and a ton of money to get him to help write a book that will help you on your business journey. If you want to hear behind the scenes of how we created this book from living in the woods, yes, we lived in the woods alone for a week, to flying to New York, to getting beta readers, and so much more. And I cannot wait for you guys to hear how we put all together in this episode. Again, the book is coming out, and this is part of launch month for Million Dollar Weekend. We have insane bonuses for people who pre-order. As the book comes out January 30th, pre-order at milliondollarweekend.com. We have limited quantities of bonuses, like the 48-hour workshop, where I will hold your hand, and we are going to get your business going or growing in 48 hours or less. As well as we have bonuses of hanging out with me in Barcelona, behind the scenes of my $2 million year plus income stream and more. Go over to milliondollarweekend.com and pre-order the book. In this conversation, you'll learn three gigantic things. Number one, what is Tal's process of writing a best-selling book over and over and over again? Number two, what was it actually like working together and how can you work better with other people? Number three, how do you treat your book or whatever you're working on like a Silicon Valley tech company? A lot of really neat nuggets in there. You can find more about Tal Raz at Tal Raz on Twitter. That's T-A-H-L-R-A-Z on Twitter and at Trazer, T-R-A-Z-Z-E-R on Instagram. Also, special pre-show shout out to listener Volcano Ash. That's a cool name. A refreshing journey of interviews. I thoroughly enjoyed these podcasts with a more hands-on approach to educating the public about management and marketing. Noah Kagan is such a chill guy and one cannot help but laugh along as he cracks jokes and pokes fun at ideas. Sometimes himself, True. I cannot help but recommend this enough. Yes. Thank you, gorgeous person, and every other one of you amazing listeners. If you want to shout out a future episode, y'all know what to do. Just leave a review wherever you listen to this. I check every single one of them. It's great to see you. For people that don't know, tall, super famous writer. I've admired him from afar because I knew who he was. He wrote Never Eat Alone, Never Split the Difference, Never Be Poor, which is the original title for our book. <laughs> now it's a million dollar weekend. I cold called you because I think I followed you on LinkedIn. And I, how was that call for you? I was like begging you like, oh, please, please, sir. So it wasn't just a cold call. First, it was you hit me up on LinkedIn and I ignored you. <laughs> and I took a look at your profile. I was like, no way. <laughs> Not responding. Uh, no, we became connected. You didn't make any kind of ask, but I think you like mentioned a few things. I was like, cool, okay. Nothing happened. I don't know if you hit me up again for LinkedIn, but then all of a sudden you started texting me. I was like, how'd this guy get my number? But that sort of thing, that's what intrigues me. That means, you know, this sort of persistence, the ballsiness around asking and putting yourself forward, because I have issues with those sort of things. To me, they have to be rewarded. Because I was like, all right, this guy, this guy's ballsy. And uh, we got on the phone. 
I remember I was pacing. This is now, you know, a little over, almost two years ago, a little over. You know, I sold the proposal with the help of David, with Lisa to Penguin. And I got this pretty big check. And I get on the phone with you and I'm just like, whatever it takes. And I remember just walking around my backyard being like, if I can really just get tall, the book is going to be solved. And what I've realized through this process, though, it was I was definitely afraid. Like this book is about fear, right? And all the fears we have that hold us back from the things we want. And I was afraid of writing a book. And I thought, if I just get tall, it'll all be solved magically. And that's just not the case. We all have to face the hard things we avoid. And you definitely helped me do that. And uh, I'm very proud of what we've done. I'm super proud of what we've done. People think that like, oh, I just, he'll solve the problem. You know, we bring him in, it's going to be a good book. And I know that not to be the case. There's so much more. The question really is you and your expertise within your domain. And do you have something special? Because you want to contribute something new to the world. So that whole process was super fascinating going into it, like figuring out how do we do, it's not just about creating a business or providing a recipe plan, which, you know, 25 years ago, there are plenty of books that became bestsellers that did precisely that because there was no internet. Now there's an internet and there's a thousand different recipe plans. It had to be something different and just kind of working with you on that was really cool. And getting to the place we got, which is around fear and asking and starting and kind of this idea of the artist's way for entrepreneurs. Yeah, man. I'm grateful you said yes. I remember because I had all these other collaborators. I think they were actually ghostwriters and you're a real collaborator. And there is a difference. And I remember you were literally, and I won't say your amounts, but like four or five X their cost. Mm -hmm. And I didn't even, it didn't even like question it. And I was like, yeah, whatever. Let's do it. Whatever it is to work with you. And it's definitely a hard to write a book. And you said something early on that I thought was really powerful. Where you said, I'm not here to write anything but the best in a category, like the best in sales, the best in negotiation. If we, you really think we can do a business one, we're going to write the best one in that category. I don't know if there's another book that really can help these people make these changes. I believe we've put together. So speaking of that, we'll get into some of the process of what happened with the book. But I want to know first, what is the best things about working with me? Tell me all the, the great, <laughs> most things that you loved. <laughs> no, tell me the best things and the worst things about working with me. Okay. So you mean being brutally honest? Do you really want to do that? Have you ever not been brutally honest? That's your best trait. Yeah, it might be my only good trait. <laughs> so what are the best things? The best things are you're fun. You're open, you know, open to do different things. Your enthusiasm is contagious. That's cool. But also as a client, you know, which I'm sure people are somewhat interested in, like I do this my mini kind of audit due diligence thing, which is, does this guy have stories and anecdotes and does this guy have ideas and tactics? I mean, those are the two columns. They've got to be filled up. And you had those. Oh, you also, some of the things that I, you know, obviously I get people who've become very successful at what they do and they're CEOs and this and that. The problem though is that great writing is often vulnerable. It's about vulnerability. It's about showing your failures and your weaknesses and what makes you tick idiosyncratically, like how are you different? And especially a lot of people who have only achieved their whole life don't want to do that. I mean, my first introduction to you, of course, was like, you just have to Google your name. It's like, this dude was fired from everywhere. You know, he lost billions here. He lost billions there. He sucks. And then you're on, on YouTube going, hey, look at me. I suck. No, I mean, I'm exaggerating. But I mean, that is so friggin' refreshing to have someone who's clearly so successful 
but has been through a process and been through a journey like we all have been and like says it straight up. Yeah, I got fired because, you know, I kind of was a douche at 21. I'm not 21 anymore. I'm, you know, whatever you are. And that was a big thing where I'm like, okay, I can do a lot with this. But there was also a lot of the times I'm working at the level of big companies, CEOs, venture capital, unicorn, blah, blah, blah. Like it's organizational and hiring. And you were really, have always had this kind of, you've built a big, well-functioning concern that involves lots of people, but your mentality has always been sort of purely entrepreneurial and like, how do I make a buck? And, you know, you've gone through the different stages. Your dreams and aspirations have scaled as you've sort of evolved as a human, but you've always been about like that one guy, one woman in her basement who wants to like do better, get better. How do they do it? How do they make business? And I loved that. And you've just been like trying to teach people how to do that for years. So you had that whole column of ideas and tactics. And I was like, okay, now we just got to figure out the bigger frame that makes this truly novel. And what were the most challenging parts of working with me? Okay, so... We have an hour. (laughs) No, I mean, if you really want to get into it, I think one of them is, and it's not something I sort of expected, you are avoidant of conflict. and yet. At the same time, you have very strong opinions about things. So that can be a volatile mix where, you know, I need feedback from you or we need to get into it. Get into it meaning I think this, you think that. And sometimes that wouldn't happen. And so we would get stuff on the paper and then it would take a while. And, you know, there was some of that. I think some stuff that is pretty much common among successful entrepreneurs and CEOs, which is, you know, nailing you down to a schedule or, getting time. But for the most part, you were really good with that. I think you didn't trust yourself as much as I thought you would. For a man who like is preaching, and this is often the case, right? Mm. Like you know so much about not rejecting yourself because you probably have struggled yeah, like with that. And so it was just interesting, you know, I think anyone who knows you as the sort of you brand is like, that dude is the most confident MFR around. But you aren't always the most confident guy. You don't always trust what you're reading. And is this, you know, you had those moments. But I think if you don't have those moments, you're not risking anything. Mm-hmm. And if you're not risking anything, then you're probably not producing good work. Yeah. I was going to share a few of my favorite things of working with you. <laughs> okay. Just the positive stuff. Yeah. But yeah, and I, I agree with your feedback. I think I was trying to get, I was a little avoidant at times. I was uncertain. I was people pleasing a little bit in some of these areas. Yeah, it's all learning experiences and how do we, we all trust ourselves more. So I, I agree on that. Uh, my favorite things about working with you, one, you look like me. Two, bald Jewish guys. <laughs> kind of like working with myself. Yeah. But that self is a good writer. <laughs> I really like how much you, you have a lot of conviction on the things you write. And you really fight for things. And I tend to find that the best work and the best people I I enjoy working with are really pushing for what they believe in. And you didn't call it in. You're like, no, this sentence is bullshit. Or I remember specifically, and we'll talk about the process. Remember we were in the house in um, Asheville when we worked kind of really preliminary on the book. And you're like, dude, you don't know the fuck you're talking about. This is total bullshit. And I was like, "Is, is this bullshit? I thought it's pretty good. And you're like, no, it's bullshit. Prove it. I was like, oh, okay. I like that. I really love the test 
Like, no, there's no bullshit here. Like, let's make sure this is real. You're a great dad. <laughs> and it's inspiring how much you put into your kids. Thank you. I love that you're like at the soccer thing and you're talking about the kids and, and all that stuff. Um, yeah, a, a lot of things. You're, you're a writer. Like, I'm a blogger. And both of us wrote chapter, the start here section. You wrote a version. I wrote a version of Neville. And I read your version. I'm like, this is what a, a novel and a story is like. And mine is like, here's the thing. It's like tweets. And I really appreciate how you put in the work to be an excellent writer. I think you also had, in my honesty, you were taking in my madness and just kind of like so much and able to really tie a narrative and a, a plan, like a blueprint with all these things and with certain things that I didn't realize what it was, but you were seeing it in a good way, like the experiments. You know, there's so many business books, but we need to focus on the reason why people can't even get to the business and make that a key part, which we had a lot of, uh, and we'll talk about later, some of the harder decisions in the book. By the way, sorry to interrupt. You made a point about the writing and like that you were a blogger and, you know, I'm this like, quote unquote, writer. And I found that whole process fascinating because you have developed a style of writing and a kind of like an awareness, a kind of intuition around writing specifically on the web, writing emails that catch you, writing blog posts, writing tweets. And you have your best friend who has kind of become this like expert master at it, Neville. And so they don't necessarily align the two styles. They have very distinct things that they're trying to do and different timeframes in which they try to do it. You're used to a context in which you need to grab someone within a second, and then you need to grab them again in a second, and then you need to grab, you know, there's no time to allow for like an, an unfolding to take place. And that's just one of the little things, but it was interesting to get pulled in those directions and to see what works with you and your buddies who craft this content for the last decade plus. You know, one of the reasons I do prescriptive nonfiction is because I'm fascinated by behavior change. Whenever you can create anything, a book, a video, whatever, that like someone ingests and then is different afterwards is pretty awesome. And, you know, a lot of your stuff does that. For the people that are out there, walk us through the process of putting together Million Dollar Weekend from where your words from where we started to where we finished. Because I think people are curious how, how a book comes together. Okay. I'll just give you the abbreviated version. I mean, my process is a little bit different. So, you know, your typical ghost is going to come in and just interview for 15, 20, 25 hours, get their transcripts, and then turn that into narrative. And I was always interested in like, you know, how do we elevate this? How do we make it novel? How do we bring in secondary research? You know, pushing, 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 which is why eventually that eventually worked. And I was like, wait, I'm spending so much more time producing, you know, the outcome was significantly different than your average outcome with collaboration. And I wasn't getting paid enough. But I also wanted to get into deals where I could, you know, do things much longer. So instead of basically doing this intake 30% of the time and then writing, I do the intake, the research, all of that. That's 70% of the time. And then I, right at the end is when I'm writing and putting it all together because there's nothing worse than looking at a blank white page. And so my whole process is about sitting down to write with a ton of shit that's already there on the page, you know, notes and ideas and quotes and 
you know, I've run over it. So I do this whole thing where I have like, basically I use Evernote as a digital library. And we went to a cabin, which is weird unto itself. Two strangers go in and have like 24 hours nonstop of talking and pulling stuff out of each other. And that's a fascinating and can be sort of problematic, but I felt it like it went really well. I felt I was a little bit antagonistic with you. I'm using whatever I can to pull out and extract the best out of you, which means like not just your ideas, but your emotions. And a little bit, you've done this so much, this kind of thing, podcasting, YouTube, blah, 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 that when I was like, dude, I don't want the bullshit, go deeper. I was trying to get beyond that. And you started to give it to me, you know, and you get all of that on tape turn it into transcripts and you start to populate this Evernote library and start to tag different pieces of your transcript and you're pulling in articles and you're figuring out what are the big ideas and collecting information around there and then eventually you start to structure it and write it. When you write a a published book with a major publisher, you have to do a proposal and there's a pretty set structure and it's like 30 pages or so and I work with David Maldewar, who's James Clear's dude, and uh, he was phenomenal. I loved him. And he, and generally what happens is you take this proposal, you sell it, you get bid on and you sell it. And then from there you go write basically a book off the proposal. And I remember I brought you the proposal and, and then we get in the, this cabin. So if I ever went out there, I didn't really know this guy. I'm like, all right, I'm gonna, well, let's fly out to Asheville. I'll pay for it. And let's be in a cabin, like nothing else and just work on the book. And that was intense. And I remember being so scared. I was just so nervous. I'm like, I don't know shit. This guy's, the, he knows everything. And then we get there and you're like, yeah, this proposal's trash. Like, I can't even use it. And I'm like, well. I didn't say that. I didn't say it's trash. You said it was recycling. What I specifically said, which may be worse, is that <laughs> it's a very effective proposal. You know, it's like the Ferrari of proposals. But when I opened up the hood, there was a hamster on a wheel <laughs> running. <laughs> Don't give me so many compliments. No, it was bad. And, and you tested it. You're like, how does this work? How does this make sense? It was interesting. And when you put together a book and how long it takes to actually get to a book to have it print and all these things, you don't realize, you know, how many times we thought, okay, do we have eight chapters? Do we have nine chapters? Do we have marketing as a full chapter? Do we separate out marketing? And it was kind of amazing how much intention and thought goes into it. And so taking a step back in this Asheville place, we had the proposal tall ingested, kind of like AI of sorts, like every single blog post I've ever done, all the different courses, specifically monthly 1k and all the other material I have out there, my YouTube videos. And then we tried to break it down like in chapters. Remember we had those like giant ass white papers that you brought Mm -hmm. and it was kind of messy. I think that's almost what we teach in Million Dollar Weekend is it's not always going to be pretty, but it's a process. And if you stick with the process, you will get to the outcome. And it was a grind on each of these chapters to be like, what's the thing someone's really taking away? And I would say one other part of our process that I thought was really powerful was that both of us studied the best. So me and you both remember we went and got Morning Way, Gary Vaynerchuk's books, Tim Ferriss's book, David Goggin's book, all these books and, and read them and took pictures and notes about, okay, what is it in this book that makes it so special? And kind of trying to think about how do we leverage that or take what's already working and powerful and then incorporate it into our book. And, you know, it's definitely a harder process than I thought, but I'm really proud of a lot of the nuances that we did. And, and it seemed longer. I think for you, actually, you know, you put the words on the page. Felt like after we had those big ass pages to actually get each chapter I think one through 10, give or take, took like, what, 12, 16 months? Yeah. No, I mean, it takes a while. So a couple things about what you just said. One, the part about 
pulling in the other books, you know, you're a reader and not everyone I deal with are readers. You know, some people in business don't read at all, which is interesting to be successful and not read, but it, it happens more frequently than you think. So you being a reader was very helpful. And part of the process also is like educating you on what works and what doesn't work and why. And, you know, pulling in those books, I say these little maxims all the time, but like readers don't care what your book is about. They only care what your book does for them. And there are books out there that, you know, people shit on all the time, but they've sold a million and a half copies. They seem simplistic, but it's not so simplistic to write a book that a million people have read. And the reason a million people have read them is that someone reads it, it does something really profound for them, it changes them, it helps them in some way. And they're like, dude, you wouldn't believe it. I read this thing. And that process goes on and on and on. So like figuring out what that was and figuring out what people did, you know, in terms of fear, in terms of selling, in terms of creating businesses and how we could sort of take it that next step. That's what makes it interesting. I don't want to just produce something that, you know, has been done before. I want to do it better than they have. That's why I kept on being like, our aspiration is to be a category killer is to come in, figure out what are the five best books in the category of, and it takes time to figure out, okay, we're not just teaching people how to get rich and become a business. We're teaching people how to be more confident, essentially. How do you describe that whole emotional part of the book around fear and, and all of that? So I, I do want to discuss you know, hard decisions of the book. And one of them is this fear thing that no one thinks they're afraid. It's not that they're afraid. Right. They're just like, oh, I don't have time or I'm busy, but it's really, it is actually fear, yeah. but you can't sell that. That's not like, Hey, I want to go be afraid. Like no one's going to go get excited and accept a scary movie. It's more selling the dream. And, and what I've recognized in, in doing a lot of beta testing with people reading the book, it's saying, Hey, do you want to change your life in 48 hours? Mm. Yes. Okay, cool. And here's the thing that's actually holding you back from doing that. And once you do that, all this stuff is easy. And then people are like, oh shit, yeah. And then they do small stuff in safe ways that there's zero risk and it's more of a play and more fun, which I think we've done a good job of. That they're like, I've been afraid of starting. Yeah, you have been. That's why you, you haven't done it. And then you've been afraid of asking, which guess what? You can do it. Like this guy who's been here today, Jake, he's like, one of the things I realized is like, you're no better than me. You're just more experienced. And I was like, dude, you're, at, you're staying at my house for free. Can you say something nice? You know, like. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, yeah, the fear thing you know, maybe we can talk about that for a moment. What do you think some of the hardest decisions when you create anything, whether you're creating a service, whether you're creating e-commerce, whether you're creating YouTube or a, a traditional book, there is trade-offs. What do you think some of the harder decisions were for our book? That was the biggest. That being, you felt like it needed to be a recipe because that's what online tells you. And I felt like another part of you and all of me wants a book that's going to be around 20 years from now and dishing out the kind of wisdom that feels as fresh then as it does now and, and what have you. And to do that, we had to kind of elevate the idea a little bit and go deeper around what it meant. And I didn't, at first, that was some of the issues. Like I, your coffee challenge, and it's one of the things that you're known for, it does kind of initially smack of being cheesy or and part of that is, by the way, my fear around it, my unease around it. Like, I'm an introvert. That scares the shit out of me. I have not done it, even though you've like, you're going to do it. Though for the last 18 months, I have not done it. 
you know, it is a messy process in the beginning, but things start to come together. And one of them was like, I read this thing that Seth Godin said, which was something like, what's the smallest, tiniest thing that you can master? And what's the scariest thing that you can do in front of the smallest number of people to teach you how to dance with your fear? Mm. And that's what the coffee challenge is. And that's actually, in some ways, what you've done throughout the book in every section around mastering the development of a business in terms of sales, in terms of how to look at market, is like you break it down into the tiniest, most useful, most doable piece right now, which is of tremendous value. But it was getting that first section down, which we fought a bit about a lot, which is saying, look, they think they want to get right into it. Yeah, they want to get rich right away. They're not like, hey, here's why you're afraid. Let's go ask for a discount because you're afraid. It's like, no, dude, yeah. just tell me how I'm going to get rich right now. Like, help me build a landing page, put up some ads, and tell me about a beach. Yeah. And we're like, no, we're going to make you go be afraid of things. It was a long debate, and uh, I'm glad we, we kept fighting around that. Yeah. We kept fighting to figure out, is there, because, you know, if you look at a lot of the most popular books, they have like, you know, you get a really great result and it's, there's a great story that happens kind of pretty quickly on. And I do think we found a good balance of that. It's like, how do you get someone excited? And you get excited if it's fun, it's a good story and you get some result for yourself. I know the book delivers that. By the way, that was another cool part. This is about your openness and, you know, what made it fun doing it with you was that you brought a kind of software guys, tech guys, ideas around the process of developing tech products and software products to a book product. Now, interesting. there's a dark side to everything. The dark side was that that also created lots of fights and like you overdid it, but it was innovative <laughs> and cool. And because this is so action oriented and so about choreographing minute by minute, hour by hour, what they're going to do and figuring out if they're going to do that, if the book slows down, in bringing in like beta testers and beta readers and pulling in all of that data and incorporating it into the actual process of developing the book, which people do not do. I mean, vast majority of people don't do. Was super frustrating. I wanted to kill you, but also <laughs> helpful. And like in the end, benefited us greatly. I did do, by the way, the coffee challenge like two hours ago. I went and bought some cookies. They rejected me. So I felt okay about myself still. I felt good. I said, thank you. And I gave him a 10% tip anyways. Yeah, there's things about a book. You know, this book is ideally everyone out there is going to get it that wants to start a business or feel more confident and change their life. You know, small things like the frequently made excuses. That was in our proposal right in the beginning. And then we moved it to the end. Mm. And then we moved it to the beginning. But then it was kind of like with the introduction kind of a weird. And then like, can we separate it out? And that actually has a, a smoother experience. So we had these pages in Asheville and then maybe about a month to two months per chapter, I would say. For us, you mm -hmm. would write a version one. I'd leave a bunch of comments. You'd ask me questions. And then you go back and work on it. And then we kind of kept going through it, each of the different chapters. I find this beta readers thing transformative. You know, they're the people buying the book at the end of the day. And so each chapter had 20 people and then we gave them specific questions. And so it was interesting to see where they were confused what did they love and what did they hate? And it transformed the book. It definitely took it from really good to excellent, I believe. And where they're like, yo, like the story at the end about me going to India, that was changed by, because of them. You know, part of you writing a book as a collaborator is you're trying to sound like me, mm -hmm. which is tough because I, I, sometimes I don't know how I sound myself. Mm -hmm. 
you know, you're like, yo, dog, it's time to get tacos. You know, I love tacos again. Like, and I did have tacos. I had them yesterday and today. I'm almost tacoed out. But that's a challenge. And then I think the readers who maybe are more familiar with me be like, this doesn't sound like you. Or you're saying this, like you had a thing, Johnny Utah, some guy from Point Break. Mm-hmm. Like, they're no one, like, not cool, boomer. You know, like, <laughs> no, but those are things that you're balancing as a collaborator. And I truly, you're a collaborator. Like, we collaborate on this 100%. And I remember after that beta reader process, you were so angry at me for you're like, why'd you have to go do it? And, and um, it did work out for the better, but I think that was something that I needed to go through. So I actually worked on the book and, and what I needed to contribute to revise some of these parts, streamline a lot of it. I think there was a lot of parts that weren't as fluid. That was kind of the more towards the middle end. I will say I pulled in some cool moves on our book. One, you know, we do a lot of titles on YouTube. So I asked our titles expert to do every single chapter title. And so the chapter titles now went from how to get rich this weekend to the 48-hour money challenge, mm. right? Like that's fire. Or my original chapter for asking, I think you're, you had great originals. It was like the power of asking. Fine. Title expert, the unlimited upside of asking. And I would say the other interesting decision, remember at the ending, I changed it from, because I went off to the readers and it was a story about my dad dying and how impactful it was for me around business. And you have to read the story in the book to hear all of it. And I removed the story and I changed it. And I remember going to you and I changed it and I sent you the version of it. And you're like, dude, this is godly gook. That is verbatim what you said. You're like, this is bullshit godly gook. Like it's crap. Godly gook, yeah. Yeah, that was your word. I'm going to remember that forever. (laughs) You know, I think part of the book for me was my own hero's journey to feel worthy that I can teach others, that I can help others, that I can do it again myself. And that was part of my own process. I'm glad I got to work with you and experience that for myself. And we put that story back in and I, took out the godly gook. Because you're right, people remember the stories. People remember a story of, to teach them something or to remember them in their own lives. No, it's interesting, and I told you this then, you never know what is really going to resonate. Now, maybe this whole beta readers process changed that a little bit. I still doubt it. I think the volume of people who are going to take it in and how they take it in, and it's not mediated by you, and It's going to be different, but it's always interesting. You're always like, huh. One commonality, though, of the stuff that does generally surprise you as being the thing that sticks is it's always connected to emotion. It's always connected to vulnerability. Like I told you, I think I specifically talked about Keith Ferrazzi and Never Eat Alone. They were all focused on the kind of super meticulous, calculating kind of rules that he had around the table size and this, that. And I was like, you know, for 20 years now, people keep coming back to is this story about his dad pulling a a big wheel out of the trash for him and what that represented and all that. Yeah, my point to you was, this is meaningful. I felt it. I think people who are creators who like become really successful know how to play the emotion game, but they stay away from really opening themselves up. And there's a difference between being like, oh, I failed and I got fired from, you know, and lost out on a billion dollars to like, here's a scene from my father in not a great state and what it meant and the meaning I took from it. And it's bringing people inside. Yeah. And in terms of the beta readers, people putting out content, ask your customers. So each chapter had these 20 people leaving all these comments and it took the book 65,000 words to about 45,000 words. It was great. I truly love that. It also got people excited to be a part of the experience. Like we have 1,091 people on our launch team. And that's been super cool to have all these people that want to change their own lives. And also we could have them be a part of this experience of our book. What stories or concepts do you think are going to be the top ones? And I have surveyed people because a lot of people now have read the book and gone through these 
cohorts. I was shocked at it. What do you think the number one, two major themes or ideas that people will take away? Well, I mean, as I told you, I, I do think that the breaking down entrepreneurialism in its most profoundly simplistic form of a cycle of starting and asking is a kind of framework that will be around for a while. I haven't seen it anywhere. It makes total sense to me. I'm scared shitless. I mean, yeah, it's like paradoxically, the simplest things are the least likely to be done and the most feared. Mm. Having you talk about that and the stories and some of those ideas, and you really pushed me on this. Like, it's not easy trying to figure out how to write about that stuff and have it be emotional, use your life, but also make it so it's utility. That was, I think, the hardest thing to work on. It feels like the thing that's most new and the kind of thing that will sort of like trickle into business culture 20 years from now. I do think that you're a genius when it comes to digital marketing and content and some of these areas where you've just spent 10,000 hours and seeing kind of the marketing that you do for these ventures and how you might apply it to the book and then figuring it out with you, that was impactful. I think from a different vantage point, now I'm talking, you know, this is the stuff that gets me all fired up, the big ideas and the, you know, the psychological stuff. The middle section, which is the section, you know, is the recipe section. The chapters that are like, here's where we're going to develop your product. You're going to sell it and the money's going to start coming in was interesting because that's really about like, do people understand this concept? Do we have to break it down more? And hearing you delineate like, you know, all the LTV stuff, you're like, that's not important. And actually that was really instructive to see like, it's just about them getting that first dollar. And how do we make that into a big deal? How do we make them feel that? Which I love because a lot of the books will, maybe in the absence of co-authors going at it and kind of like trying to, I don't know, you know, we really kind of pushed it. We streamlined it. In general, what I've observed in business is that once they finally have to ask for the dollar for their business, most people, not all, and that's, which is really tough because you're alone reading a book and we have ways now that we're trying to work on accountability and support groups, but now you have to actually go call that person or post online or do that thing. You're like, nah, okay, this book is, is not good. Mm. <laughs> and how do we, you know, kind of sidestep that so they're not realizing they're doing it, but it's kind of getting them in that direction in a fun, less scary way. Mm -hmm. uh, I think there's some things that you highlighted and, and it was great. Look, the book is so early. We haven't even come out yet. This, is, this podcast is going to come out during launch stuff. I thought your idea around experimenting and swinging and experiments and just being able to kind of keep going around that would be transformative. Oh, yeah, I totally. It's been good. I haven't heard as many people being mind blown. I think about that. When we do things the first times, first few, it's like, well, it's not working. I don't know. It's like, okay, well, think of it as an experiment. What didn't work? This didn't work. All right, let's try it again. Let's try it again. Let's try it again. And that was really good. I'd like to see more people embrace that. I loved your thing. No ask, no get. That was another tall special. Because, you know, sometimes books, it's like, couldn't it just be like 10 tweets and call it a day? Like, why do I need it in a book? <laughs> but it's the story, yeah. it's the buildup, it's the, like, how do I process it in a way that I can actually take more action and really absorb it versus, a, a, you know, I see a tweet, okay, I move on. The experimentation part is a good point. That was really, you know, connecting, asking, and starting. Why are they so important? Because they allow you to experiment. They allow you to test ideas. Yeah. You, and you truly live by that. 
And you don't just live by it in terms of business. It's like you, oh, I think I want to write a book. You know, who's the best guy I can find? <laughs> He's got to be one of them. I'm going to send him a LinkedIn thing. You don't yeah. like, and meanwhile, I'm the complete opposite, right? If I was in your shoes and I was like, oh, I think I want to write a book. I would spend about 600 hours reading shit, like talking to myself, you know, figuring out chart, you know, it, it would just, by that time, it's like hour one and you've already like talked to 10 people, got rejected by five. You're learning, the data's coming in and like you're better for it. And you're doing that, we're talking about social risks here, but you're doing that socially, you're doing that commercially. There's such a life competitive advantage in not having that fear or those set of fears and being able to just constantly throw shit out into the world, you know, in all of these different domains and get stuff back. It just initiates yeah. momentum in all of these different ways. And you definitely do that. That's one thing about this book and by getting out there late, it's not exclusive. Yes, maybe I'm a little more comfortable now. And yes, my parents are, you know, extremely about stuff like that, but it, it's available for everyone. And it doesn't have to be such a big, scary thing for people. I'm actually going to record the audiobook. We have to do some touch-ups, which recording an audiobook is hard. Oh, really? What was your experience of it? Oh my God, man. It's, you're sitting in the same position. It's, you know, you give or take five or six hours. Mm. It's like masturbating to a photo of yourself. You're like, okay, <laughs> is this good? I think it's kind of good. This part's okay. I'm really proud of our book. So I, it, was not, it wasn't so bad to read it. I was, it was fun. It's just, it's physically challenging. And then mentally, you're, you want to make it entertaining. So you want to have enthusiasm. You want to be smiling. You want to be like, oh, this is the part my dad dies. Dun, dun, dun. Or the part you put in, which I thought was really well done about my dad's accent. Hello, it's Kapir. You know, I'm like, I'm like, I don't know how to do an Israeli accent. Like, Kapir, good. You bad. <laughs> I'm curious how that one's going to turn out. Maybe I but uh, I have a lot more respect for people who do audiobook recordings, whether it's the author or as a profession. Mm. Uh, I was lucky to work with a producer named Scott Sherrod. He was awesome. Mm. Okay, a few things. Cause I got about 10 minutes and I got to go do these touch-ups on the book. So I recorded for three days and for people that don't know, you have to go back and have different parts I have to redo. What are you doing differently? You know, there's millions of books, right? And thousands come out every year. Mm -hmm. But you created two and ideally three of the best-selling business books of the past decade. So what do you believe you're doing differently than other authors? Well, I think I got into it a little bit in terms of my process. You know, I've just crafted this in a way where I have a lot more time and I use that to really interrogate the ideas that are part of the book. And I also think like I've specialized in prescriptive nonfiction. I don't have any hangups around self-help. In fact, I think, you know, a lot of people talk shit about self-help, but I think one, it's, we have a canon of American wisdom literature and it's uniquely American. Only in America could a genre like self-help emerge where it's like, you can do this, bootstrap yourself. And I've seen it be effective. I didn't think I was going to get into this. I was an introvert and I was going to these Inc. 500 conferences and these entrepreneurs were like, you know, I was like, oh, let me try to find the one other introvert, you know, and I couldn't find him. I was like, oh shit, <laughs> am I going to be a loser? Like, I, like, how am I going to get over this? And, and I was like, okay, let me find the Michael Jordan and see if he can get rules. You know, if there are rules, then maybe I can move the needle on my behavior a little bit. And I did that and, you know, then it got big and turned into a book and that became big. 
And I was just, I was kind of blown away by people that were coming up to me at, at that period and being like, oh my God, you inspired me. I do this. I now actually call. And I was like, oh, this is addictive. This is powerful, you know? So I really focus on the structure of what works. I take the narrative seriously. I take the ideas seriously. And I take, you know, the curriculum, like the teaching part, the pedagogy of a book, like thinking about structurally, like what needs to be where to get people to like really feel this, to really understand it, and then to really enact it. So I think that's how I do what I do. A little bit of it is like now, you know, it's a case of the rich get richer because I got lucky enough to have a a couple of bestsellers. So then people who are really good, really big and known or whatever, and have a platform like yourself come to me. So it makes it a lot easier. Like I can't pull a diamond out of a donkey's ass. Like it's just not, it's not possible. So if you're like all bullshit and you stink and you like, you don't actually have any wisdom or you haven't done anything cool, there's no way I'm like going to create a book that's worthwhile. So I've been lucky also just, and it is luck. I mean, that's one of the crazy things about life is like, you just realize how much of it is luck. And I've just been lucky by the people I've met. Roughly, if one of our listeners is a diamond that comes out of a donkey's ass, but they've got a great diamond, it's real shiny, you know, VVX, whatever they call them. What's the range it costs to hire someone like you? I don't know if I want to get into that. (laughs) I'm very expensive. So I don't want to share. I won't share your number. It's hundreds of thousands of dollars. You know, if you want a ghostwriter or collaborator, a lot of the times you can go get one and a good one for 60, 70. You can even, if you get lucky and you really search, you find someone really young, maybe 40, 50. But a lot of the times that does limit my pool. So a situation like yours, people will sell their books, get an, an advance from a publisher, and that will subsidize my fee. But I, my whole motivation professionally is to be one of one. I chafe at the idea of like, oh, you're part of this big group of ghostwriters. I've never wanted to be a ghostwriter. I just, I want to do something singular so that I can charge something singular. And it's not about just that. I, I you know, like, yeah, I don't want to have competition. And so in thinking about that, it's made me one focus on very particular kinds of books, on business as a genre, on prescriptive nonfiction. And that's all I've done for the most part. That's my specialty. And so it's like, you know, you get your 10,000 hours in and you get good and you just, I don't know, I've sort of danced around how much it costs. It's all right. I think people will get a, a gist of that. If someone's interested in following your career footsteps, how could they get their first collaboration or first writing gig like you did? You can just start, but starting means reading and writing. It means doing actually what you did with your blog. You didn't care like Shakespeare, Tom Wolf, whatever. You were just like, I'm going to write. And by the way, you see that a lot. Like, I think the internet is developing many more good writers because people are just putting shit out there and that's how you get better. How do you eventually get into like ghosting and collaborating? I mean, the old way was you work for a magazine or a newspaper, you know, and you do features or sort of long stories and then eventually get someone to turn it into a book. Other than that, it's kind of tough. You need to kind of have a sense of what it takes to put a story together and how you do that now. You know, newspapers, magazines, media, it's dying. It's kind of dead. So I don't know where young people would go. 
to do that. I think they would go somewhere online. For you, it was this article about Keith and Inc. that led you to get the book? Yeah, I was 24. And it was a strange situation just because it basically was the template for the rest of my career. Like, had this interesting idea about being an introvert. Can you learn how to be more extroverted, blah, blah, blah. It's very conceptual in nature. I'm going to like get someone really good, follow them. And I do that. And like the actual article, which is called The 10 Secrets of a Master Networker, is structured in a way that like it's rules and anecdotes. And then I got the book deal and I was like, oh shit, I don't know how to write a book. And I don't know how to write a self-help book. And this is kind of how my process got inverted, just weirdly, is that I spent the eight months that I had, I spent like six of them just reading self-help books because I was 24. I didn't know shit about like any of it. And I, I literally kind of studied, you know, from Benjamin Franklin on to see like what works, how to win friends and influence people. Like, what are they doing that, you know, and a lot of it was copying kind of not the words, but like the style or the structure or like anecdote here leads to this there and you're just playing. And so that kind of set me up. Oh, now I, I understand these books and I understand this genre and I pretty much done that from then on. In wrapping up this show. Yeah. What's your hope for this book? What's your dream? Banger, baby. Uh, yeah. I mean, what's my hope for this book? I want all of the books, the idea of them going out into the world. And look, what do we want? We want to create entrepreneurs. We want to create a country or many countries of entrepreneurs who are willing, who are able to overcome their fears and do shit they never thought they would be able to do, get into business, leave their job, and to have a kick-ass life and to not be so weighted down by, you know, all this, I don't know if I can, I'm not sure if I can do this or I'm not sure if I can do that. That would be my real hope is that if people really buy in for the 48 hours and they like get over like, oh, you know, is it cheesy? Is it not? Is it this or that? And they just do the stuff that you tell them to do, it works. And people have these real kind of awakenings. And, and by the way, in the process, what I think is interesting is that you're giving people a kind of alternative MBA. They're learning about sales, they're learning about marketing, they're learning about your organizational system, which we didn't even mention, you know, and we took some of that out about how you calendar and not, but it's like, that's really impressive too, like how to be productive. So yeah, it's thrilling to put something out that ends up helping a lot of people. And I think this book has the potential to do that. I hope it delivers on it. First off, yeah, I agree. I do believe we've done everything in our power from the pre-production, during, editing, getting beta people, thank all the shout out to all the launch team, and then now the marketing and promotion that we're, we're putting into it. And that's, you know, that's all within our control. And ideally that people come take the book and, you know, I, I do send you some of the, the beta comments like, holy shit. I'm excited. Yeah, I'm excited more people get that book and, and have that revelation, revolution even. Yeah. That was the cool thing about the beta testers is like a piece of software, you're like, does it work? Does it not work? Mm -hmm. And then you see the thing that they're experiencing and they're writing in the margins like, holy shit, I never thought about this. The coffee thing was amazing. I couldn't believe it. I, I didn't think I would do it, you know? And, and they just the nuggets like working as we thought they would. I want to say thank you. Oh, 
I want to say thank you too. Thanks for uh, taking my call. Thanks for dealing with me. Thanks for having fun with me. Thanks for dealing with me. And me being a grouch. (laughs) I think I've matured a lot. So it was good to to do that. I mean, what a a transformation ourselves or me probably, but for both of us. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, thank you for being a part of it and schwitzing with me. Mm -hmm. I love to schwitz. You know, I love to schwitz. I know. You really got me back hard into the schwitz world. So if you guys don't know, you got to get your schwitz on. And uh, yeah, thank you again. I look forward to January 30th and seeing, uh, put a little dent in the world with what we did. Thanks, brother. I love you, man. Thank you, Tal. Love you. All right, bye. That is a wrap. I hope you loved this episode as much as we did making it for you. If you did, go check out Tal, T-A-H-L, Roz on Twitter, and Trazer, T-R-A-Z-Z-E-R on Instagram. Also, check out his and my brand new book, Million Dollar Weekend. You can pre-order it today before it launches on January 30th. Pre-order today at milliondollarweekend.com. Next, text a friend you love them. Yo, man, let's go do something nostalgic together. Before you go, tweet at me, DM me wherever, at Noah Kagan. I love hearing what you think about the first chapter of my book, which is for free on the website, and what you thought of this episode. Finally, a couple shout-outs to the amazing team who helps make this happen. Special thank you to Jason at podcasttech.com. Thank you to Jeremy, Cam, Tommy, Sylvie, Dylan, Jay from the Dork Team for all the magic y'all do. Have a tremendous day. What's your favorite way of reading a book? Oh, that's a good one.